This is an IG paid post. The news and editorial staff of the Financial Times had no role in its preparation. Hello and welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Victoria Scholar and with me on the pod today is Ian Fraser, journalist and author of Shredded, Inside RBS, The Bank That Broke Britain, and IG's Chief Market Analyst, Chris Beecham. And today we're here to talk about the UK banking sector. Now, the FTSE 100 Banks Index has lost about a quarter of its value since the peak back in 2013, but this year has got off to a rather strong start. Ian, if we could start with you, do you think we're poised for further gains in the coming quarters? It's difficult to to tell, but I mean, some of the banks do seem to be in a better place than than others. You know, RBS is obviously still still, uh, 63% owned by the UK government. Really partly depends on what Brexit's going to be like, um, whether or not we have, you know, a no-deal Brexit or whether we have a um, a deal, a, a decent deal for Brexit. Of course, we continue to be clouded by that uncertainty around Brexit. Chris, if we talk about it in a bit more detail then, what are some of the channels by which Brexit has impacted the UK's financial services industry so far? Well, I think if you take the financial sector and banks, especially as a a sort of function of the UK economy and and a a key way of viewing the impact of Brexit, you've seen um, the caution in business investment. You've seen um, weakness in a lot of the data fed through to UK banks. And of course, the housing market as well. It's It's a sort of growing trend now that we're seeing weakening of the housing market, partially due to affordability criteria, but also because of the uncertainty created by Brexit. And you have banks like Lloyd's, which are obviously key players in the mortgage market, you will feel the pinch from a decline in business activity there. And it's the kind of uncertainty that that hangs over the UK as to what, as Ian said, the the deal will be, means that we we just see this sort of ebbing of confidence in banks generally and, of course, into the terms of the number of jobs in the UK financial services sector. So, Ian, do you think that some banks in the UK are better prepared for all eventualities around Brexit than others? I think that the one which, well, there were a couple which did not take any provisions for Brexit at, at all. I think Lloyd's was one of those. Uh, whereas banks, including Barclays, HSBC, and uh, RBS, did take uh, fairly hefty provisions between of between 100 million and 150 million for Brexit. I think the banks which have more, you know, more international operations, which do still include RBS, have a more complicated series of arrangements to make. And those like, say, TSB and um, Lloyd's, as far as I'm aware, which are which are almost entirely UK focused now, and which therefore you know don't have the same level of complexity in terms of needing to set up a, a branch or a, or a full scale operation in, say, Luxembourg, or possibly Germany, or or or, or possibly the Netherlands. So yeah, it, there's a, certain banks are certainly find, you know, finding they need to needing to invest more and move more potentially move more people to European uh, capitals or European financial centres than than others. So the financial services sector contributes about six and a half percent of the UK's total economic output, and that's about three point two percent of UK jobs. Do you think that the UK will continue to be a major hub for financial services going forward? Yes, I think it remains its position really as a, a 
retains its position as a, as a key player within the market. There are key questions over, the, of course, back to what kind of deal emerges if one emerges at all. And with that long extension to October and potentially beyond, we could be in a very long period of uncertainty. Before the Brexit vote itself, there were dire predictions of um, thousands of jobs being lost, tens of thousands. And they were, these were steadily and quietly revised down for the time being. I think you will see greater importance for other European capitals of course but you know, london is likely to retain its place you can't argue with the geography of the fact that london is very well placed between asia uh, and the us and that remains the case even after brexit of course and the links the city has to uh, the us as well mean that uh, and, and london's focus especially as a hub of tech innovation as well make it very attractive from that perspective so i don't think it's necessary to assume that we'll see a major decline in the sector but perhaps relative to other parts of the uk economy it might not grow quite as fast in the wake of any brexit deal should one ever arise so you mentioned tech there ian um which banks do you think have been doing well at embracing new technology and which will be enabled or sort of be able to adapt to our changing world the best well i think um they're all they're all going to struggle you know we move more to digitalization and more use of apps um for, for banking services because the New startups, the fintech startups like Monzo, Revolut, Tandem, etc., are, you know, they don't have the legacy baggage of um, old-fashioned IT systems or lumbering IT systems, which often which date back to about the 60s or 70s, which actually can be a huge handicap for a, a large global bank when it comes to, to getting into that area. But generally, you know, they are making some strides. RBS is launching one called Bow or BO this year, and that will be, you know, a fully fledged um, digital bank. HSBC has has launched Connected Money. Lloyd's is said to be doing some, making some quite good progress in terms of this area of, of, of apps and new online services. So, you know, they they realise this is a massive threat to their business going forward, and they are all, as far as I can see, making significant strides in trying to make sure they don't get um, disrupted out of business by the new fintech challenges. Uh, but the area where they're most vulnerable is in personal banking, you know, current personal and current account banking uh, for individuals. They're, they're less vulnerable in the area of corporate lending and uh, commercial banking, I would say. So, Ian, do you think that the challenger banks are where the true opportunities lie then? I, th- I think it, it, some of them, I mean, most of them aren't quoted yet, as far as I, I know. They're mainly privately held. They're private equity backed. So it's quite difficult to gain, gain any access to that. But um, certainly some of the most promising uh, challenger banks, especially the, the more digi- digitally based ones, like, say, Monzo, could offer a very attractive opportunity, I would say, yes. Because the chances are they're going to be bought out by big banks, you know, two or three years down the line. The big banks that buy them will end up having to pay quite a, quite a hefty premium. And Chris, very finally, where are the opportunities for you in the UK banking sector? Which stocks should we be steering towards? Well, I think if you're looking at the, the the big four, the listed titans, I think you're still looking at Lloyd's really is one that stands out really for me. It has its problems, clearly it has exposed to Brexit. But when you're looking at clear return on tangible equity, it's above, I think it's about 10 to 11% now compared to three or four for RBS uh, Barclays. It's a standout performer and the dividends have increased. Now, if you look as well at the rebound over the past sort of three or four months, it's outperformed the FTSE 100. And that might suggest that perhaps things got a bit too extreme to the downside over the course of the last few months. I think again if we take brexit as the sort of caveat there i think it still looks very strong um in the future and it has come through quite well and unlike rbs of course it's now finally escaped government ownership and looks much better set for the future 
All right, now that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much to my guests, Ian Fraser, journalist and author of Shredded, Inside RBS, The Bank That Broke Britain, and IG's Chief Market Analyst, Chris Beecham. I'm Victoria Scholar, and thank you for listening to IG's Decoding the Markets. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.